0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: We are set to go. John Scholes here, host and, and the brains of the Operation Your Sam Sanfero, standing by. With the knowledge ready to answer your questions, so do not hold back if you have any issues at your workplace, whether you're an employee, employer, or otherwise. Maybe you've been let go. You've heard uh, some things are coming down the pike you don't like, and maybe you've been handed that severance letter or think it's coming down as well. Maybe a performance improvement plan, put on a temporary layoff. How does the temporary layoff work? All that stuff. We'll try to get to some email if we have time. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Beyond that, you can always reach out to Lior and the team, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, and one 821 5900 We will get into this, the most common employment law violations even the big employers are guilty of, because just because you work for the big one doesn't mean they got everything right. So we'll get to that here in just a bit, but we always get warmed up with the case of the day. What's going on with you, pal?
2: Hey, John. We're here to talk about employment law, and I'm here to answer questions. So if you have a question about employment law, if you have a question about your legal rights, about your job, your boss, your compensation, your termination, we're happy to answer your calls. We want to make sure that when uh, you go to bed tonight, you feel better than you did earlier. You know what to do uh, because you maybe know how to respond to an ultimatum. You know what to do because you lost your job and what you're owed. Uh, There's a lot of misconceptions out there when it comes to employment law And the internet can actually be a very frustrating thing, uh, not to mention a misleading thing when it comes to employment law. So right here on the show, you don't have to worry about is it accurate. You know that it is. So you have an opportunity for the next 30 minutes to make sure you get the questions answered. But of course, you have other opportunities, including the ability to call me in the office. Uh, If you want to, we'll give you that contact information throughout the show so that you can have a private chat with me and my team if that's what you want to do. But now that we know what we're hoping to accomplish, let's get started with it. Uh, Case of the day, situation that came across my desk. I spoke with a lady who recently got some news from her employer. Well, up until now, for the past five years working for this company, she had uh, gotten a a regular salary of $60,000. Well, she just found out that uh, her salary is going to go down to forty thousand, but she's she's going to have opportunity to earn uh, commissions on 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 various things. In the past, she was one hundred percent salary, no commissions. She's going to go down to forty thousand, but commissions. And the company was saying that with these commissions, she could hopefully expect to make even more money than she did before. But she called me and she wanted to to really understand her rights. She didn't like the idea of having a variable component to her compensation. She liked the security and the certainty of getting her $60,000 salary. So she she wanted to understand what this all means. So here's how this works. Regardless of whether or not ultimately she would make more money or not with this new commission structure, the company doesn't have a right to make such a change. They don't have a right to reduce your pay and change the structure in this way, even though potentially you may ultimately make more money. It's a big deal from, to go from 100% salary to a reduced salary with commissions. It's not something a company is able to do. So what does this mean for her? Well, it means that she has two options. She can accept this and, and move on and, and you know see how she does with commissions. Or she can say, no, 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 constructive dismissal. By changing my compensation structure, by adding this commission component and reducing my pay, you've effectively terminated my employment. It's a constructive dismissal. And I can treat that as a termination and get my severance. She wants to do that. She does not like at all this component of commission. She wants to get her uh, severance for her, potentially eight or nine months of severance. You know, she's been there for just over five years. And I'm going to help her get that. But I wanted to remind, of course, our listeners here that once your employer does something to your compensation, even if the dollars may not necessarily change directly, if the structure changes, bonuses go or or commissions go or commissions are added, once the structure changes, that can often be a constructive dismissal. It's not something your employer is allowed to do. So if you're facing such a change, a change to your compensation structure, we should talk about it because remember, if you say nothing and continue working, after a short while, you're going to be considered to have accepted what the company did and you don't want that. So once the change is announced to your compensation structure, we should talk right away.
1: Again, the follow-up question to that is always what if she wants to, you know, maybe take them on their word and, and potentially, sure, she could, she could, you know, nail a mint full of cash and more than she's she's making now. Can she try it out for a bit?
2: She may say, well, you know, I, I don't like this, but maybe once I do it for a while, I'm not going to mind it. So absolutely, it's absolutely fine in the situation to tell her employer, I'm going to try this for a while. You know, in this situation, I think it would be even reasonable to try this for a couple of months and see. And tell her employer in writing, not comfortable with this necessarily, but I'm going to try this for a couple of months and see where I'm at, and then I'm going to decide if I'm comfortable with it, and I'll let you know. As long as she says that in writing, she can try it for a couple of months, and then after a couple of months, if she still says, no, I don't like it, it could still be a constructive dismissal, but you have to send that note and put it in writing.
1: The big ones, the common employment law violations that even the big boys make out there in the workplace. We'll get to that after a short break, our one and only break. We're taking now, An Employment Law Show continues. Hang on.
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: Want to get into this? Just because it's a big company doesn't mean they follow the law or know any better. So we're here to talk about the violations that even the big boys make and they're guilty of. Number one, Leor, this one's a beauty too. I want to get into this? Don't properly investigate and deal with workplace harassment issues. If you can believe it, in 2023.
2: You know I, the reason I think this topic is so important is uh, oftentimes people don't pursue their rights, don't inform themselves because they assume that their employer must know what they're doing, and this often happens with large. Companies. You work for a big company. They they should be sophisticated. And you figure, well, if they're saying something or they're doing something, well, they got to know, right? They're big. Mm-hmm. They're experienced. So I'll assume that everything is fine. Well, I've been doing this for over 20 years, and I can tell you that is 100% wrong. The big companies, the sophisticated companies, even the companies with huge HR departments still get things wrong all the time. So oftentimes even more wrong than the smaller companies. So we want to make sure you understand uh, some examples right where that happens so that you don't take things for granted. You pursue your rights. You inform yourself because no one's going to do it for you. And mm-hmm. uh, John's uh, point that he made is a, a good starting point with respect to investigating and properly dealing with harassment. Let's be very clear here. I have seen major companies, companies that you will recognize in a heartbeat, some of the biggest companies in the country, drop the ball again and again when it comes to dealing with harassment, either not properly investigating, ignoring harassment complaints, or ultimately not fixing the problem, just just hoping that it's going to go away if it's swept under the uh, the rug. Let's be clear. A company has that legal obligation to properly investigate to make sure that they do an unbiased investigation, to get all the information. Sometimes they may mean bringing in an outside investigator, uh, do it right, take it seriously, and ultimately figure out a way to resolve that problem, to remove the the harasser from the workplace or, or, or find a way to improve the situation. If they don't do that, if the company drops the ball, big company or small company, That could be a violation of several statutes. That gives the employees lots and lots of rights. So please, if you're working for a company, even a big company, stand up for those rights. Don't accept no for an answer when it comes to investigating harassment. Don't accept no for an answer when a company says, no, no, we're not going to do anything. If they won't deal with you, then believe me, they'll deal with me. So call me, email me. Let's talk about that. Big companies get this wrong all the time.
1: Let's grab a couple phone calls David thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time tonight pal how are you
2: I'm doing well thank
0: you so much uh, for taking my call um, you bet. my question to you is from the employer side I own my okay. own small business um, I only work for myself I don't have employees um, I've been listening to your guys show for a long time and it kind of scares me to hire people because I do find some quality of people aren't as good as they were back in the day if you know mm. what I mean like they don't. There's a lot of people who are disrespectful. Um, they just they just don't talk well to, to to customers and stuff like that. So my question to you is: How can I protect myself as an employer to 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 make sure that I always have the best team available? And so great question. Take take out the weeds that I have to take
2: out of. So there's actually a very simple answer and a very simple solution, and that is to have a proper employment agreement with every person that you hire doesn't matter if you hire a a junior person part-time full-time doesn't matter you have to have a properly drafted employment agreement why because That employment agreement gives you tons of flexibility. It allows you to put them on probation if you need to. It allows you to terminate employment with minimal consequences. It allows you to make changes to the job if you figured, wait, I need to to change your your responsibilities. I need to adjust your pay. You can do all those things if you don't... do a a good job with an employment agreement, or if you don't bother with one, then you're right. You're going to have a lot of problems and a lot of liability. But an employment agreement is the key here. If you do that, if you have a a proper employment agreement prepared, you're going to have all the flexibility that you need. So my best advice, David, is before you hire anyone, let's talk about it. Let me create a proper employment agreement for you. And once you have it, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can use it again and again. So that is uh, the solution, David.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking
1: my call. You bet. You know how to follow up for sure uh, with Lior uh, later on, David, for sure. And thats eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 1-855-821-5900. Moving on down the road to uh, Stanley. Hey, Stanley, what's up with you? Hi there. Uh, long-time listener
3: and learner. First, first-time caller.
1: Appreciate uh, it.
3: Calling, calling on behalf of my son. Uh, recently graduated. Got an employment offer from a small uh, family-owned company. And it had a clause in the uh, offer letter to the effect of him, he would be entitled to accrue paid vacation time off after three months service, bracket, probation, end bracket. So to me, this strikes me as a deviation from what the statutory requirement is, which I believe is that you're entitled to vacation pay starting from dollar one or hour one of work. So my question is whether something like this is enforceable or not.
2: Uh, you're absolutely 100% correct, uh, Stanley, is yes, er- on every single dollar that the um, an employer earns, they earn vacation pay at a minimum rate of 4%. And it could be more than that, depending on what's in the employment agreement, but at a minimum 4%. Even if he only ends up making uh, 50 bucks in this job for whatever reason, he still gets vacation pay on that 50 bucks. So no, that would not be the the appropriate. But here's kind of what I, how I would deal with this. I wouldn't worry about this right now. Your son is starting a new job. Uh, when the time comes to, to actually pay him vacation pay, he can simply show them and I can give him that information to show them, you know, from the Ministry of Labor that outlines vacation pay and they'll correct it. So I wouldn't necessarily worry about it right now because your son doesn't want to turn them off. He wants the job. But, you know, in a few months, he can say, oh, by the way, I just realized that actually, I do get vacation pay for my first three months. Here's take a look at this, and that should hopefully correct it. Uh, But you're absolutely right, Stan, he does get vacation pay. Can I ask one follow-up question? You better. Uh, How far
3: down the calendar would he be able to, um, if required to, force his employer to Go back uh,
2: the Yeah, yeah. He could go. He could go back two years. So he'll he'll have two years to do that before he kind of loses, as is right. So you know, in the first three months, two years after that. So he has some time. But honestly, I I've seen this situation before. Oftentimes, it's a company simply not knowing any better. And once you show them, you know, on paper exactly what their obligation they understand that they've made a mistake and they fix it so it's it's sh- I don't expect this to be a big deal only because it's really really straightforward okay thank you very much sir
1: thanks Stanley appreciate your time and uh, listening as well you need to reach out to your son uh, for that matter one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred Frank thanks for standing by you're up next pal what's going on
3: yeah, I'm just curious. Uh I've just got hired by this company uh for in construction and um they're telling me I got after a probation period I have to join the union but the union doesn't want to take me take me on. I don't understand that.
2: So when it comes to being part of a union, there's no discretion here. What I mean by that is if you're hired to a position that's unionized, then you're part of a union. The the, the company doesn't make a call here. The union doesn't make a call. It's automatic. So I think there's probably a bit of misunderstanding here with the union. Maybe they disagree that your position is one that falls within the the scope of, of their collective agreement. But it's not a situation where they say, hey, we just don't like Frank. We don't want him. There's no discretion here. It's a question of the job that you were hired to do. Is it a unionized job? And sometimes employer and union get into a fight over whether or not Mm -hmm. the job that the employee is hired for is unionized. But that's for the union and the company to figure out. You don't really have much of a say there. You simply continue doing your job and and following your your employer's uh, instructions. And they have to figure out if your position is actually unionized.
3: Well, it is it is unionized. But they hired me as a, on a probation for a month, the two months to see how I, how I am. They love me after the first week. They love me. And the union says no. We can't we can't have that guy.
2: Well. Again, there's no discretion there. Perhaps it's a situation where you only become part of uh, the union under the collective agreement after two or three months. So they may say, well, we can't have you now, even though they love you because you haven't met your three months Mark, but it's not it can never be a situation where the union says we don't want this guy it, it has the union there's no there's no discretion there it's it's automatic mm-hmm. so I think there's probably a bit of a miscommunication there so you can go back to the, the union and the company and get some clarification but I promise you it's not simply a situation where the union says we we just don't like Frank so he's not in it, it doesn't work that way
3: and just one thing how come you guys don't take on uh the the the, the unions like you don't answer any questions about unions mm-hmm. because there's a lot of stuff that we. That I'm sure there's people up there that would love to have you as a lawyer. To no, no money.
1: kidding. Yeah.
3: Oh,
2: believe me, I would love that. But I, I, a lawyer cannot, by law, is not allowed to help a unionized employee. It has to be the union. That's why. So, you, you, I, I would love to take on unionized employees. In fact, I would double my firm size overnight. But yeah. only one. By law that's allowed to help is the union. There's no other options. There's no exceptions. And even in a situation where the union is not doing anything for the employee, still it has to be the union. You still cannot hire a lawyer. That's why we can't help unionize employee. No lawyer can.
1: Frank, appreciate uh, your time and the questions. In the meantime, talking about the big mistakes that even the uh, the big employers still make, if you can believe it. Number two is this, and we, we talk about this all the time. We get calls about it, Leor, and terminating an employment for cause without building up that case,
2: which they need, right? Absolutely. I see big companies make this mistake. Companies all of all sizes making this mistake. And that is, they jump the gun to a termination for cause. and And what I mean by building a case is this. The fact that the employee may have done something wrong or maybe is not doing a good job does not mean they can be fired for cause. To be fired for cause, the company has to put in the work. They have to build the case. They have to give warnings in writing. They have to give the employee opportunities to improve, maybe even additional training depending on the situation. They can't just jump from nothing to a termination for cause and it it takes time. And it, it's some work, and oftentimes companies don't want to do that. So what, what happens, and I see this again with big companies, is, oh, well, you know, Mr. Employee, uh, you, you didn't do a good job over the past couple months, so we're letting you go for cause. Or, you know, we had an incident with you uh, last week. We're firing you for cause. Well, guess what? If the company didn't put in the work, they didn't build up, if they didn't build the case, that's a wrongful dismissal. That's not cause. That employees owed severance, owed compensation. So definitely you want to keep that in mind. Just because the company says it has cause to fire you, to let you go, does not mean that they do. It doesn't matter if you work for a massive company and you think they should know. Trust me when I tell you, 20 plus years of doing this, they don't know. They get this wrong. So if you're fired supposedly for cause, we need to talk right away.
1: Yeah, but this one pretty much across the board, they just simply offer inadequate severance.
2: this is the big one. It's what started the show all these years ago. Uh, Big company, small company, it's just the same. The odds of getting bad severance are the same whether you work for a massive company or a tiny company. And those odds, by the way, are right around 90%. 90% of people, even if they work for a big, big, huge, sophisticated company, when they're let go, are offered inadequate severance. Severance that does not comply with... With the company's legal obligations. And what I see very often, my gosh, too often, John, is someone is let go from a big company and they say, well, you know, they must know. So if they tell me I'm only owed six weeks of severance, well, they they know they're the company. They've done this a a thousand times. So I'm going to accept my six weeks and sign off because that's what they're telling me. Wrong, wrong, wrong. That six weeks potentially should be 10 months see this every single day. The problem, of course, is once you sign that severance agreement, you can't go back. So if you work for a big company, small company, any size company, if you're let go, chances are that the severance you're staring at is completely inadequate. We need to talk right away.
1: And another thing uh, companies of all sizes get wrong, they, uh, you know, they don't make that effort to accommodate employees that come back or want to come back, but they need medical restrictions or limitations anyway, right?
2: yeah and this duty to accommodate is something mm. that employers often don't uh, don't follow that, that duty to accommodate and you know let's face it it's not easy necessarily to accommodate it could be difficult it could be uh challenging it could even be expensive and i've seen huge big sophisticated companies and i've seen tiny companies often not do it properly no no we're not going to accommodate you it's too hard or no, we, we're not going to give you modified duties or modified hours. You're just going to come back when, uh, when you don't have any restrictions. No, let's stop right there. Company has an obligation to accommodate even if it's difficult. They have an obligation to provide those modified duties, modified hours, to follow what your doctor says you need. Uh, and just because it's a big company, it's easy to think, well, if they're saying they don't have to accommodate, they must know. No, they don't. Your job is to make sure that the law is being followed, that your rights are being enforced. So if you're trying to get accommodation, your doctor's telling you that you need it, and your company is not cooperating, big company or small company, again, you got to call me right away.
1: Finished off with a quick email. Sean says, guys, I'm an office clerk and work for a construction. Oh, no, sorry, this is Joseph. He says, how much severance, guys, should I be getting if I worked for a company for almost 20 years, but three years ago, quit for a few months, and then I came back to work?
2: It happens very often where you, are, yeah. you have a lengthy service, but in the meantime, in the middle, there's a bit of a break. Well, oftentimes the law says that we can disregard that break if it's short in comparison with the overall length of service. So if in a 20-year period you were gone for three months, the law is likely going to say, well, no, we're going to disregard that three months, so you're still a 20-year employee. That means you should get severance as a 20-year employee, and that could easily be 20 to 24 months of severance. So, Joseph, you could potentially be entitled to that, and that's an important reminder there to all employees that it's not just the last stretch of employment that counts. Potentially, you could get credit for the entire time that you've been with the company, even if there was a break in the middle.
1: And with that, we are done for another night. In the meantime, reach out to Leon and his team. Do not hesitate. Have that chat, one 821 5,900 help at employmentlawyer.ca, and the website free, anonymous, full of information, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll
0: catch you tomorrow at 630 right here in the Employment Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.